This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 16th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Peter Berlin, and I spent a couple of summers at WVHC, as it was, the summers of 66 and 67, probably, <laughs> if I can remember that that far. Um, do you remember any of the shows or programs you hosted or worked on? Yeah, I really only did one show, and that was Classical Request. Not exactly my favorite music, but uh, nobody else wanted to do it, so I got to do it. Did you have any titles or positions at the station? No, absolutely none. I was just, uh, actually, I was having a real problem with my own name. I was popping peas, and Jeff suggested that I come up with a a new name. So uh, my air name was Don Berlin. Ah. Because there was no P to pop. (laughs) That's a convenient way to to deal with that problem. Um, So what was it that first brought you to Hofstra Radio uh, for that summer? And then for those of us who weren't there, what was it like? And do you remember any of the people that you met or uh, any of those first initial experiences? Well, my Aunt Lil was the person who brought me to WVHC. She was... uh, she knew I was interested in broadcasting, and uh, she uh, took me from radio station to radio station, thinking that somebody would hire me, and of course nobody did, until we ran into Jeff, who would hire anybody, if they were willing to <laughs> you know, go to the uh, Jeff Cross School of Broadcasting. So I ended up there. And so so how, how old were you at the time? I guess I was a junior at the University of Miami at the time. I was going into my junior year. So I was probably about uh, 19 years old. And where did you where did you grow up that you wound up at Hofstra in the summers? Well, I lived my my hometown was Far Rockaway. So just a short car ride away from Rockaway was Hofstra. And so your aunt brought you to various, I guess, commercial radio stations yeah, she, that were uh, in the area? Uh, uh, to no avail, obviously. I mean, I really had no broadcast experience, and nobody really wanted to take on a kid. They forced me to do on-site auditions, which I was totally unprepared for. That sounds intimidating. It was very intimidating. You walk into a broadcast studio that you've never been before in your life, and they put you in front of a microphone and give you a racing form. I, that was the first one. And I looked at it and I said, I don't know how to read this. Hmm. <laughs> you know. And then they gave me some wire copy to rip and read. You know. But uh, I didn't do very well. I, I hadn't practiced or anything because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Hmm. Like I said, Jeff would take anybody on that was really interested and was willing to put the time in. And uh, at that point, I met Gary Armstrong, and he was very encouraging. So one of the legends of Hofstra Radio is that the station was in the basement of the Little Theater. And a number of people I've spoken to who were at WVHC said, we didn't know there was a radio station. So how did you manage to actually physically find this place? Was it difficult? Well, it was a little confusing because we were looking for something that looked more conventional. But we did eventually find the stairs to the basement. And actually, the studios were quite pleasant. I mean, they were 
soundproof. They really didn't have any windows because they were underground for the most part, or for all the part for that matter. And uh, it was a comfortable place to work. I, I, I thought it was very cool, you know. They had good equipment, and uh, Jeff ran a good ship. Hmm. Um, so that initial time that you went down, did you meet Jeff the first time you went to the station, or was it Gary? Yeah, actually, I did. He, he was uh, he was there, and I introduced myself to him. And uh, it was uh, an interesting conversation. <laughs> How so? Well, um, I was not accustomed to an educational radio station environment, quote, in a magazine-type format. It didn't run like a radio station you know, when you turn on the radio, you don't hear, welcome to classical request. It's nothing like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, magazine format was great because people got to try different things out. There were all forms of communications from the standpoint of radio, music, news, information, entertainment. Uh, you name it, uh, there was that kind of radio on that station. Hmm. So, so you've alluded to the the Jeff Krauss school of of radio, or or his amount of training that he would take anyone in. Do you remember things that he taught you in particular about announcing or engineering? Well, I didn't really learn anything about engineering from Jeff. Um, that was not an area of interest at the time. I did want to learn a little bit about announcing, so. I asked him to critique everything I did as closely as he possibly could. Hmm. And boy, did he. Um, enunciation critiques from Jeff Krause were masterpieces <laughs> in humor, quite frankly, <laughs> I, as I reflect back on it. Um, but if you learn the elocution the way Jeff taught it, you could do anything. You just learned how to use your mouth and your tongue. And uh, I gradually learned how to do a classical request, mm. which required a lot of uh, uh, tongue exercises. I wasn't much on classical music, to be honest with you, but I, I, I told him I would do anything. And he said, you're doing classical request. That is usually the learning curve for a lot of us and learning the complicated names that go with it. And to go back for a second, this this is, I don't know if it's a delicate question or not, but as a recovering Long Islander myself, did you have a Long Island accent or any accent that, that Jeff had to help you work through? Well, I wasn't from Brooklyn, so I didn't have that problem. Right. Uh, my diction was reasonably good. And I was able to control my tongue. <laughs> so I did kind of learn what Jeff wanted to teach me. I was a good student. Um, but I don't think I really had a terrible New York accent to, to correct. Okay. Uh, what else did Jeff uh, help you learn? Was it, uh, you know, the complicated classical names or anything else? Well, he, he, taught, me, he taught me that... The word was news, not news. I mean, that was, uh, you know, when you talked about news, you really meant news. So that was the first word I had to modify. Mm. So that wasn't so bad, really, was it? 
not not at all, but you can you can certainly hear the difference in that. Yeah, and it, it becomes a habit if you do it often enough. And Jeff made you do it often enough because he wanted it. He couldn't stand it. <laughs> so he rode my case until I learned how to say news properly. Do you recall your first time getting behind the microphone? Kind of, yeah. Um, I was kind of thrown into it. He, uh, I, I, I came to the station that evening, and he was there. And he said, are you ready? And I said, yeah. I said, all right, well, you've got five minutes before showtime, so go pull some music and get into the studio. So I got in the studio, and I realized he wasn't there. And I was supposed to do a show. And I really didn't know what to do. So I just did what I could do. And uh, I guess it was about two and a half hours later, Jeff came back and said, you're doing a pretty good job. I mean, the sweat was dripping off of my brow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was about ready to lose my mind. But uh, it all fell into place when he came back to the studio and told me that everything was okay and that uh, I could have the show again next week. (laughs) That must have been a nice feeling. It was a very nice feeling, and uh, that was the first of uh, my, uh, my first summer at uh, WVHC. Were you working with an engineer, or were you doing everything yourself? No, I actually ran my own board. Um, I had been there watching, you know, them operate. It was pretty simple because I only had two turntables, a cart machine, and a microphone to operate. It wasn't too complicated. So, right, and that would have been in the days of the the Gates board with the turn yes, pots. The, the Gates board, which uh, which was nice because almost every radio station that I ever worked at had a nice big Gates board. Typically, a diplomat or a yard or something like that. So, was there was there much training, or did you have to apply for an FCC license? To, to be cleared? I, I actually, I had, I had uh, done a little groundwork. I had a third class license um, and I really didn't need any more than that. I never ran into a situation where I was required to take meter readings or perform, you know, as an as the engineer on duty. Um, there was always a transmitter engineer or somebody else that was licensed properly in the facility at the time to take care of uh, engineering. So I really never really got involved other than getting my third class license. In all my years of broadcasting, I never really needed anything other than that. That's an interesting distinction to me because in, in my mind, I always consider the board operator and the engineer to be one and the same, but you're saying you could operate the board and someone else was in charge of the, the transmitter. Right. They just were required to take the meter readings. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a different level of responsibility. Not that much different, but I suppose it's, uh, it's important enough uh, for a distinction. Well, I was going to say in my professional career, the uh, studios were always remote from broadcasting transmitter and towers. And uh, my first commercial job involved... Uh, five antenna phased array, you know, at 5,000 watts in the major market. So, yeah, there was a, a transmitter engineer on 24 hours a day out at the transmitter site. Mm-hmm. So 
we never took any meter readings or anything like that at the studio. We were we had no requirements other than the broadcast log. Hmm. And that that kind of went on for my entire broadcast career. I never worked out of a major market that didn't have a transmitter engineer. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, meeting with Gary Armstrong, and obviously Jeff was an important person. Um, who else was helpful in those days in getting you settled at the station? You know, quite frankly, I don't remember anybody but uh, Jeff and Gary. Gary I went to lunch with all the time. We used to go to the, the runway bar and have a beer and some burgers, and it was always enjoyable. Gary was always wearing a suit. I never could quite understand why, but he always had a suit on. Hmm. Um, I wonder if he was very professional. I wonder if that's some reflection of working with Jeff, because I think at that point Jeff was would not have been much older than you and Gary, but was always trying to uh, project the air of. Uh, an older person. Uh, this Gary, uh, Marilyn, and a number of other people have have described Jeff as appearing older than perhaps his years. And I wonder if that was something that Gary picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff did appear very authoritative and older than his years. That's a good way to put it. In terms of working with him in, in terms of uh, in training, um, was that sort of uh, air of authority was that was that helpful was that useful did he kind of drop that when he was giving you critiques how did, how did that work you know i never was offended by anything he said to me hmm. um he was very he was very good at what he did um I give jeff a lot of credit because he was basically the person who launched my broadcast career and also was responsible for what I'd like to call a sister station at the University of Miami because after two summers of WVHC, I created a WVUM at the University of Miami, um, which has been on the air for over 50 years now because of Jeff and uh, his encouragement of what I was doing. That's really amazing. So as you're going through those those summers, um that first summer, did you think you were going to come back the following summer? Did you have a plan? Um, you know, I wish I could completely remember mm. everything, but uh, the plan was definitely to come back to WVHC and learn as much as I could because I I was going to pattern my presentation to Dr. Henry King Stanford, who was the president of the University of Miami at the time, to create a radio station. Mm. And I figured you know, why not pull the pattern off of uh, WVHC? And that's what I did. It made my life easy because there was a radio station that existed on a college campus that was doing very well with the university, never the college at the time, never had any problems and uh, was beneficial to all. So I figured if I followed that pattern, people would think I was a genius. I didn't have to invent it at all. I uh, I don't mind admitting that I copied an awful lot of WVHC and, and put that on top of WVUM. I was the uh, Jeff Krause of WVUM. 
did Jeff talk? Do you, did you talk to Jeff about uh, your plans for? Yes, I did. I sure did. I my second summer there, I said, "Okay, Jeff, here's the story. I'm going back to school, and I'm going to unload my uh, plans for the radio station on the." Uh, the faculty of University of Miami and see if I can get past them. And he said, you might have a little problem in trusting what you were, what you were going to say on me. There were, you know, the university had a newspaper, of course, all universities have their own newspapers, but they're, they're proofread before they're printed. You don't have that uh, ability in broadcasting. Everything is live unless you're doing a recorded show, of course. Right. Uh, there's nothing that you can't do without getting on the air if you're in front of the microphone. And there's always that feeling of, can we trust these kids to broadcast in the name of our learned institution, you know? And somehow they trusted us. Uh, Dr. Stanford signed off on it, and away I went. <laughs> we got some funding from them, and... Uh, Got some donations from radio stations around the Miami area that had old studio equipment. And they generously donated some things to us. And we put together a facility at the Student Union at the University of Miami. That's amazing. It was amazing. And we had this one kid who was very wealthy. And he came up with a set of custom Pam's jingles now. And he copied the package that WABC in New York was using. So we were using the Pam's jingle package that WABC in New York was using at the time. <laughs> kind of crazy. But uh, that was nice. Yeah, that 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 seems uh, like a rather amazing thing to get away with. Yeah, um, but we were a little bit more contemporary uh, than than Jeff was. I was a big fan of New York radio, not from the standpoint of it sounding so educational. I didn't really imprint as many educationally oriented shows as Jeff had on. Uh, we decided. I decided that we would be a little bit more popular music-oriented. So we did basically our idea of what Top 40 Radio on FM should sound like. Wow. And we did the specialty shows, you know, foreign language shows, um, foreign music shows, you name it. We had all those, and they were typically on the weekends. But during the week, it was a lot of popular music and uh, – FM pop DJ sounds. And about how many people were part of that initial class in Miami? I think we had probably about 15. Yeah, about 15 people. Um, out of that 15, probably seven or eight of them were very involved. Right. Now, once once you got established, were you? Uh, did you keep in touch with Jeff? Did you ever reach out with him to say, "What do you think about this?" or any advice? Uh, I remember uh, 
saying, Jeff, look, uh, this was before, this was during the summer. And he, I said, do you think I got a chance at doing something commercial broadcasting? And he said, well, take a stab at it. You're not bad. I said, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> uh, so I took a stab at it and I ended up with, uh, I sent, saw an ad in the local newspaper. Um, there's a shopping center in Lane's, in, in Green Acres Shopping Center called Lane's, Lane's Green Acres. And they had an ad for a bargain broadcaster, somebody that would do store broadcasting and store broadcasting. And I got that job. Um, I was very good at selling, you know, in the ladies' department and the men's department. Uh, it was very a very interesting job, selling things on the store broadcasting system. Attention shoppers. Shoppers, may I have your attention, please, in the ladies' department? You know, that sort of thing. And, and I mean, that is a, a form of, of broadcasting, and you're, you're trying to sell a message, and that's something that's applicable on a lot of different levels. Well, it was really good practice because you had to sell everything from, you know, ladies' lingerie, you know, to the usual... Uh, we have a really good sale on socks today type thing. So uh, you've got to do a lot of announcing, mm. like every five minutes. And that was really good for learning how to read copy because the copy was written by the department managers. And they really didn't know how to write copy for announcers. So you had to rewrite a lot of it. And so you got some experience in copywriting. And then uh, phraseology for bargain broadcasting, where you had to sound excited, but not too excited. Mm. To go back to that first summer you were at Hofstra Radio at WVHC, and you, you had that first time on the air, and Jeff gave you the thumbs up. How much did you feel fairly comfortable at the station then? Did it take a little while to say, I, I think I can do this, I want to stay here, I want to be here? Well, I think after the first show, when Jeff told me I didn't sound so bad, I got a lot of confidence. The second show went really well. I remember, um, I'm trying to remember the music I featured. I know the music I featured. It was from Victory at Sea. Hmm. And that was easy because I could pronounce everything without any problems. But, uh, yeah, they were, they were several albums that were put together from the uh, television show Victory at Sea, classical, beautifully orchestrated music, and uh, it wasn't so bad. And, and ha- it was kind of fun. Having that cinematic sound, too, that must have felt uh, empowering and, and giving you some adrenaline to help out. It yeah. did. It was, it was easy to do because it was didn't drag on. It was exciting music, and you know, symphonic music can be exciting. Yes. Yes, it can. So uh, I like to try to bring things back here because obviously we're, we're looking at this with hindsight and your experiences and what you brought from WVHC. And obviously the, your, your legacy in Miami is, is incredibly impressive and, and your career thereafter. But if you can go back to that feeling as uh, I think you said you're about 20 years old or so and, driving around with your aunt and going to stations. And then you, you make this contact at, at Hofstra. What did you, what did you think 
Hofstra Radio would mean to you at that moment? Well, I thought it was an excellent opportunity because uh, chances of getting fired were nil because you weren't being, <laughs> weren't being paid. And it was understood that you were learning. And uh, there was a, a very ample supply of teaching from Jeff. So I figured I'm going to make the best of this and take advantage of the exalted Jeffrey Krause and uh, learn as much as he could teach me because um, I'm committed to doing a radio station at the University of Miami. I can't just do this during the summers at Hofstra. I have to do this all year round. My, my major at the University of Miami was radio, television, film. And so the following year, I was able to uh, get an internship at a top 40 station in Miami. And uh, they were surprised at my ability to read copy and stuff like that because I was so young and had no commercial broadcasting experience. They didn't know I had Jeff Krause experience. And that really got me my first commercial job. That, uh, from that internship, I became a uh, eye-in-the-sky traffic reporter. Hmm. Over downtown Miami. Were you flying in a, a, a Cessna or something like that? No, actually, it was, yeah, it was a Cessna 150. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Flew from Miami to Fort Lauderdale morning and afternoons, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, reporting the intersectional backups and accidents on I 95. I, I know it well. I got my start, uh, or, or one of my starts, uh, doing that for uh, Long Island traffic flying in a, oh. in a Cessna and then eventually made my way to a, a helicopter flying over the five boroughs. So, well, I was, I was lucky. I asked if I could, if I could do some work in the news department and they said, well, you can work evenings on the weekend if you want in the news department. So I became a newsman and uh, got to do weekend news also. And then of course, I had to say, you know, I really want to be a disc jockey. Well, Sunday night at midnight, guess who they put on the mm -hmm. air? You know, midnight to six. So that got me my really first start at WFUN in Miami. That's uh, that's that's an amazing journey, and and I know that you have. Uh, more stories, but thank you for for sharing your stories about your time at WVHC. It's it seems like a small amount of time, I guess, if we think about it, but something that you obviously carried with you uh, throughout your career. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget those days. Uh, they were very important to me. If, if it wasn't for Jeff, I probably wouldn't have gotten as far or as soon. I mean, he was vital for, uh, I think, a lot of people. I think a lot of people enjoyed their careers because Jeff got them off to a good start, a realistic start. And uh, we all learned a great deal. Hmm. I'm very, I'm very indebted to Jeffrey Krauss for what he did for me. And, uh, you know, it's nice because I have people who tell me that they're in very, they're very indebted to me for what I did for them. And all I did was the same thing that Jeff did for me. So. That was that's the nicest thing somebody can say to you that they they really enjoyed learning from you. Hmm. Amen. Well, I, I I really enjoyed 
this conversation and and your story about Hofstra Radio and uh, and thank you for your time and uh, we'll come up with some more questions. We'll do this again sometime. Sure, we can talk about the American Forces Vietnam Radio Network and uh, what I did in Vietnam. <laughs> Yes, it is separate conversation off mic. We we started to talk about this, and I yeah, I've got a list of questions, but I want to save that for another conversation because that sounds sure. fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Well, thank you for your time, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Brian. I enjoyed the conversation. <laughs>